0: Do you normally follow me on TikTok? I'm guessing you haven't seen me for a while. That's because I've been battling a crushing shadow ban. And I also have an account warning. As most of you know, I got banned over a year ago and it's been a struggle getting back to where I was and these shadow bans aren't helping. To try to save this account, I've put my TikTok on private and I'm taking a break from TikTok until November. I've even deleted the app. If you wanna see my usual short form content, then please follow me on Instagram. The link is in the description. Again, follow me on Instagram. Also, so TikTok can't pull an Andrew Tate on me, I'm asking people to subscribe to my email list. If you do, I'll give you some cool stickers free of charge with postage paid. I'll put the link in the description for that too, but you can sign up at list.comeonmanpod.com. That's L-I-S-T dot Get some cool stickers and here's the show. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up everybody? Welcome back to another week of come on man. If you haven't done so already, please like, face, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, please give us a five-star review and actually write out why you like the show. Help us spread the word to other men. We want to get the word out, Uh, especially if you really get value out of the content that I put out all the time uh let your let your guy friends know you know there's always there's always dudes going through crap in their lives and they could use you know other dudes to point them in the right direction to give them some answers so send them send them my podcast say hey man listen to this episode you'll you'll really benefit from it also if you really like this show support the patreon um there's five tiers available i know if you listen to like past episodes there was some some uh, other information that I put out there, but that's because I I schedule all this shit out in advance, guys. And things change. the The best way to keep up to date on what's actually happening, like right now, is to follow me on social media. Uh, I think Instagram is like the best place to follow me right now. But uh, there's five tiers, and this is this isn't going to change. I think I, I've got this laid out exactly the way I want it. It's, it's working out great but there's five tiers now. The first two are really just, you know, for guys that don't want to invest a lot of money, but they still want to support the show. Uh, The lowest one's like five bucks. So check it out. Link is in the description or go to patreon.com slash come on man pod. All right. Joining me this week is the host of two really fascinating podcasts. uh, The Thought Leader Revolution and the a relatively new podcast called The Sovereign Man. Uh, the host is Nicky Ballou, and he's a really interesting guy. He reached out to me and, and had me on his podcast uh, at the time of this recording a couple of months ago. Fun interview, great guy, really big into spreading the word of masculinity and trying to bring masculinity back. So check out his podcast. But before you do that, check out this conversation I had with him. plushcare.com Hey you, I'm going to make this real quick. I know you hate ads. If you like this show, if you love this podcast, if you think more men should tune in, then you should consider joining my Patreon. You will be supporting the show and I get to help more men level up their lives. There's now five tiers available, starting as low as $5 a month. It's like buying me a beer and each tier gives you better bonuses. Visit patreon.com slash comeonmanpod to sign up. That's Patreon.com/slash ComeOnManPod. One last time, that's Patreon.com/slash ComeOnManPod. Help me help more men level up and be better with women. All right, joining me this week is the host of two really fascinating podcasts: the Thought Leader Revolution, which has been around for a while, and is relatively oh, and his relatively new podcast, The Sovereign Man. Man, look at this! Oh, I got new lights; they're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's got a re- relatively new podcast, The Sovereign Man, which I was recently a guest. His name is Nikki Ballou. What's going on, Nikki?
1: Hey, good to be here, Paul. Thanks so much for having me on, man. It's an honor to be with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. So, I, I was listening to your interview with Ryan Mickler uh, on the Order of Man podcast, and you said that both of you and Ryan are Leos born on August 12th. You're not gonna believe this, but so am I. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the three lions getting together (laughs) on a single podcast? Holy shit, we'll break the internet. We'll break the internet that's the wild man. Holy crap. Right. My woman
1: is also born on August 12th.
0: Get out. Wait, your woman is? Oh uh man. I, uh, my ex-wife was a, was a Leo, uh, got a lot of, oh, and then my ex-girlfriend. So I had a girl that I dated for about four and a half years and uh, she was a Leo too. It's just like, you get that competition, man. They, you, you all want the spotlight. <laughs> Paul, add a, a lion roaring and post. Paul's my editor. I'm Paul. I'm my own editor. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, That's Nikki, awesome. why, why don't you introduce yourself to my audience and tell us how you got into the podcast space, uh, talking with various people about being thought leaders, and then also your new podcast, Promoting Masculinity.
1: Sure. Well, listen, I'm originally from uh, Iran. I'm a Christian from Iran, and back in 1978-79, uh, Ayatollah Khomeini and his supporters, um had an islamic revolution they overthrew the relatively secular government of the shah and my late father god rest his soul uh decided that it wasn't going to be the greatest place to raise his christian family so he moved us to the west and i thank god every day for that because you know there's a lot of people today that say oh my god america is such a racist place such a terrible place such an intolerant place they don't know what the hell they're talking about america is the single most tolerant nation on earth. You wanna experience racism, come home. Because when I was 11 years old, someone threw a Molotov cocktail through our living room window with a note on it that said, die, Christian, Ashuri scum. Basically, if not for the grace of God, staying that Molotov cocktail from exploding, I'd be dead and you and I wouldn't be speaking today. And that is government sanctioned racism It exists and is rampant all over the world, all over the Middle East, all over Africa, all over Asia. The folks here need to understand this is an incredible, tolerant place. And Edmund Burke once said, the only condition necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to stand by and do nothing. So the good men and women in the United States and Canada need to push back hard against these wokesters that are falsely accusing good people of Having racism in their hearts, which they don't, the truth is it's the wokesters who have racism in their hearts because that one finger pointing out has three fingers pointing back at the real source of the problem, which is themselves. So, you know, I wanted to say that first and foremost, my father, he was an entrepreneur. He believed in uplifting people. You know, he used to come to me when I was a kid and he'd say, you know, son, we fed 51 families this week. Ours and that of his 50 employees, he was a very proud man. He lifted himself up from the bootstraps. He's a man who literally gave away houses, apartments, cars to people. He helped them get started in business. So my vision of an entrepreneur is my father, somebody who lifts people up, who does good things for them, who makes the world a better place. So that's why I became an entrepreneur. And that's why I decided to get into business, to serve entrepreneurs, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are good people, Paul, but they suck at selling suck is a technical term, of course, (laughs) and what I mean by suck is that they're afraid they don't want to come across as pushy or salesy or with commission breath, so they don't go after the sale when they should, and what happens is that they look for magical thinking ways of getting a sale, oh, I'm going to do everything online or through social media, well, that doesn't work, not if you're selling something that really has some meat and substance to it. People will pay up to $2,000 online, but if you're selling something that's five, 10, 20,000 bucks, that's not really going to work for you too well. So, what we want to do is help these good people reframe it from selling to serving. That's number one. Now, I got into podcasting because my mentor, Mark von Meuster, said, Hey, podcasting is a good way for you to build some credibility and get out there. So, I said, Okay, took the coaching. Now, I've been very fortunate. I've got to interview some of the top people in the world on my Thought Leader Revolution podcast. I've interviewed Orion Mickler. I've interviewed Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, who both created Chicken Soup with the Soul and sold 500 million books. I interviewed Dr. John Maxwell, the number one leadership mentor in the world. I interviewed Oprah Winfrey's coach, Marie Forleo, Seth Godin, who's the number one uh, New York Times bestselling author. I interviewed Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. I interviewed the founder of an iconic brand out of Canada, but you probably heard of it in the US called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. It's a multi-billion dollar brand. I interviewed the guy who created the world's largest real estate investment education companies at over 200,000 clients. The list goes on and on and on. That gave me credibility. It helped me establish myself as someone people ought to listen to. And that made it easier for me to get in front of the people who really need my help to want to do business with me. And I got involved in doing Sovereign Men because, you know, I went through a divorce, right? You and I talked about this offline. Uh, my ex-wife seemingly out of blue didn't want to be with me. And I was absolutely devastated. I was in a shitty place. You know, I contemplated, is life worth living? Not that I was going to do anything about it, but that question went through my mind and I got into men's work. I did a lot of men's work. The more men's work I did, the more I realized how many men are lost. And I know you've seen that too, Paul. There's a lot of men that are lost. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Married men right now that are, they're, they're, they're good men. They're not fuckwads, but their wives are going to leave them because they just don't know. They don't get it. They don't know how to treat her. They don't know how to be with her to make her want to stay. And what this is doing is causing a devastating impact on our society. So I thought to myself, look, screw all this crap where they're dumping all over men and saying that men are bad, wrong, patriarchy, all the bullshit they throw at us. It's awesome to be a man. We don't need to uh, uplift women by putting men down, we got to uplift them both. So I'm all about uplifting men. Every man, a badass. every man, a warrior inside the work that we do inside our podcast, inside our community, we're all about helping each man get clear that that's who he is. But we also kick his ass because men need their butts kicked. Men need to be challenged. Women need to be encouraged. Men need to be challenged. I mean, that's a gross generalization, but it, it it basically sticks, man. You encourage a man a little bit, but you got to challenge him and kick his butt. You encourage a woman only. If you challenge her, she'll tear your throat out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Funny how that works. I There was two things that you said that that resonated with me. Uh, one, you were talking about how America is actually one of the most tolerant countries in the world. Uh, the
1: the right. most tolerant country. Yeah, yeah. I world. think
0: that's that's well said because uh, I used to be a sailor. I was in the U- U.S. Navy. And so I've, I've been all over the world. I've been to some third world countries, you know. And uh, I think people that think that Americans are intolerant and have problems just haven't spent enough time outside of the United States. Because uh, once you do, you'll realize just how, how great this country really is. Uh, I don't like to get into politics too much on the podcast, but that's something that uh, there's that's a there's, politics. That's a- what? Yeah, it's fine though. But, but the reason why I wanted to bring like, call back to that was because uh, there's this idea in the men's space right that women in the US are broken and that they'll do better uh, finding more traditional valued women in other countries and it's like that's not necessarily the case guys and and two a lot of those women are just looking for tickets back here because it's so awesome here <laughs> right yeah. um, the other thing is you brought up sales you brought up uh, how important it is for sales. And a lot of guys are afraid to do sales because they're they're afraid that they're being pushy, but honestly, like sales is the key to, you know, wealth and prosperity. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's a skill that we're not taught uh, in school. You don't, you can't go to college and learn sales. You can't. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I was lucky enough. I hated this job, but uh, I was lucky enough. When I got out of the Navy, I did door to door office supply sales for a while And talk about hard, you know. Like you, you got it. You're going knocking on doors. You're and you're only allowed to get uh, first time sales. Like we weren't allowed to build up a pipeline of of clients and do repeat business. Like our job was first time sales to get them to be customers of the big company, and then the big company would take over from there. So like our job was basically like uh, an advertising company, uh, and we did it by knocking on doors. And I would spend all day. Knocking on doors, law of averages. The door you don't knock on is the sale you didn't get. And um, it, it was a, it's a valuable skill that I've taken with me in every areas of my in all areas of my life because life is sales. You know, you mm-hmm. go for you go to a job interview, uh, you're selling yourself to a potential employer. I mean, it's 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 stuff that men absolutely need to to learn.
1: Hundred percent, man. Men need to learn how to sell because life is sales. The best salespeople are kids. Mm. Daddy buy me ice cream. Daddy buy me ice cream. Daddy buy no 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 Daddy buy me ice cream. Daddy buy me. Ice cream. They will not let go until you buy them that damn ice cream, uh-huh. right? Or they get a whooping. And, yeah. Well, <laughs> even after the whooping, they're going to make you feel guilty, Daddy. You heard? Me. You heard me? I buy me ice cream. Right. <laughs> right. You know, they
0: mean, are. They really are. My 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 son is constantly uh, when we go to the store. He's like, Hey, Dad, look at this cereal. Doesn't this cereal look delicious? Like he's presenting it, you know, <laughs> and I'm just like, boy, that's a good skill, man. Just keep with that. I'm not you buying that, that cereal though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> right. So, you know, um, my, uh, my, my sons are 14 and 16. They're constantly pitching me. If you're going, uh, a court and a woman and you're dating, you got to sell her on you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If she goes out on a date with you and you want to take her to bed, you got to sell her on you being a good bed mate. Right, somebody who she's gonna have a good time in bed with, and somebody who's not gonna, you know, uh hurt her in any way. You, you you gotta be selling yourself all the time. And if you're in business, you gotta sell. You're selling all the time. You are selling every day. You're selling or you're being sold. That's the way it goes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you sold me on coming on my show. You didn't even know you did it. I I I listened to you interview Dr. Glover and I thought shit, this dude's pretty cool. I want him on my show. I was sold, right? And you didn't even try. But that podcast interview, (laughs) that podcast interview that you did with this man was a sales pitch. Was Mm -hmm. a sales pitch as you as a guest and you as a host. So I thought, I want to have this man on my show and I want to be on his show. So, you know, you sold me and then I sold you and that's how it is.
0: Yeah. If you're a man. It really is. And and I I have to do it. I have to do it all the time to, to get guests to come on my show, you know, and you, you've experienced that. I've had, have had to reach out to people that, um, I mean, Dr. Glover, for instance, great guy, but it took like six months for him to get back to me and stuff, you know, but uh, it was, it, it was how I worded my email to him. I think that was compelling enough for him to come on.
1: hundred percent, man. hundred percent. So if a man's listening to the show and he's thinking to himself, well, I don't have a sales job or I don't own a company. Well, you're selling all the time anyways. But if you do have a company and you do have a sales job, that's the kind of thing that I'm all about helping you be more effective with. So you're not thinking I'm too pushy, I'm too this, I'm too that. You're heart driven, service driven, but you're also getting the sale. You're asking for the business every single time. That's your job. Mm -hmm. And if you come from a place of serving, it should be an easy thing for you
0: to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, now let's go back to your uh, your Sovereign Man podcast. Uh, you believe that a real man is sovereign over his own life. He takes full responsibility for becoming a better man and owns his success and failures. Can you, can you expand on that idea?
1: Absolutely. So it's funny that you mentioned that, but I was talking to a, a woman who signed up for uh, one of our programs. And when she saw the that I do a podcast for men called Sovereign Man. The first thought that went through her head is that I meant that we have sovereignty over women. I said, "No, that's not what we I mean." <laughs> okay, first of all, it's not men that have sovereignty over women; it's the other way around. Quite frankly, right. For a lot Secondly, of men. yeah, yeah, no, but but listen, they they like it, back in Iran, right, which is a traditional patriarchal society. My dad was a big cheese, a big kahuna. He made a lot of money and he was well known in the community. But my mom ruled the family, ruled the family. We bought a house where she wanted the house. Mm -hmm. Kids went to school where she wanted to school. When when we were going to leave Iran, it was my mom that said, hey, we're going to Canada. Okay, that's where I want to go, right? Mm -hmm. so what do you think dad did okay whatever you say yeah he's a big tough guy i'm the man of the house but yeah man of the house was ruled by his wife (laughs) you know worked like a mule to give her whatever she wanted right Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's what i mean by that but sovereignty for a man comes down to five things a man's got to be self-sufficient in life right you don't want to be somebody who's relying on other people so you got to have financial sovereignty why? Well, you don't want to be relying on the government for a handout or your family. Like if you're a young man, you don't want to be relying on your mom and dad to, to keep you solvent. You need to be keeping yourself solvent, right? So that's financial sovereignty. Well, physical sovereignty, you want to be in good health. You don't want to be relying on somebody to push you around in a wheelchair, right? Paul, you want to be in good health. So you've got to have physical sovereignty. Intellectual sovereignty, well, think for yourself. Don't let the government think for you. God look at the last 2 years all the crap they've been telling us has proven to be at best misleading and at worst an outright uh, an outright lie I said outright lie that uh-huh. was fun. <laughs> you know an outright lie uh, so you know you got to you got to be able to think for yourself right emotional sovereignty you can't need somebody you can't be some needy little bitch of a man who needs his woman you know, you should be able to do just fine without her. That doesn't mean you don't want her, but, you know, you got to, You can't be a needy little bitch. Women don't like needy little bitch men. And spiritual sovereignty, well, you got to have a relationship with your maker. You know, for those who don't, right, who are just lost like driftwood in a in a raging river, they're, they're never going to be more to anything, to some purpose bigger than themselves. So to me, those are the five pillars of sovereignty. And it basically is another way of saying the five pillars of self sufficiency.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it. Is really important to men, and I do think that a lot of men uh, they're just they're too passive in their life. You know, they they're just what is it? Bob Proctor used to say this. Most m- most people tiptoe through life, hoping that they make it safely to death. That's yeah. <laughs> it's like, if that's no way to live. You know, yeah. and especially for a man, I think.
1: I agree. You know, uh, funny you mentioned Bob Proctor, but he's uh, from the same city I, I live in. He's from Toronto, and he just passed away um, late last year. I was working on having him come on my business podcast, and he he agreed in principle. We haven't found a date yet, so I was really saddened by that. Um, uh, yeah, that. Yeah I, yeah, yeah, I heard
0: about his death too. That's it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's in yeah, a better place he, now, though.
1: He, he 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 bought a house on Proctor Street. Bob Proctor lived on Proctor Street Toronto, on purpose.
0: Did he? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like him. Yeah. All right.
1: That was awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you, you know, uh, um,
1: Henry David Thoreau in his immortal series of essays on Walden Pond talked about how most people live lives of quiet desperation you don't want to be that kind of man you don't Mm -hmm. want to be living a life of quiet desperation you want to live a life where you grab it by both hands and you're just living large you're going after the things you want you're daring mighty things you're dreaming big dreams that's what a man's all about man's got to be choosing a purpose for himself, getting out there and making it happen for himself. Because if he's not, he's going to be nobody. He's not going to feel good about himself. He's certainly going to be nobody who's attracted to a woman.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Nikki, I, I didn't know this about you when we last spoke, but in doing my research, I found that you've written a couple of books. Uh, eight, thought
1: eight to be exact
0: eight eight books oh okay um the, the two I found though just on Amazon were uh the thought leader's journey and you co-wrote the power of connecting can you yeah. te- tell us a little bit about those and maybe you know a short sure. brief snippet on your other books
1: so the first book I wrote was called finish line thinking how to think and win like a champion that was a number one international bestseller in a lot of countries we, we sold thousands and thousands of copies it was really cool I used to work with a bunch of Olympic gold medal athletes in track and field. My lady is a three-time Guinness world record holder for running 12 hours on a treadmill. So I've studied the mindset of gold medal athletes, top thinkers, the number one salesperson uh, in in real estate, the number one entrepreneur in a particular industry. And I distilled it down to 13 principles on how champions think and win. So That was my first book, It it was very successful. And then I wrote a children's book called Kathy Capitalist and Johnny Jobmakers for kids under the age of eight. It's illustrated. It's about teaching them the principles of free enterprise, capitalism, uh, and freedom. Great little book. If you got kids under the age of eight, go pick up a copy. Then I wrote um, uh, a book called uh, The Thought Leader's Journey. That's uh, written as a parable, a fable of life. It's a story of a young man named Paulo. Who's working for a big bad tech corporation, and he longs to have his own business. So this is a, the the story of how he goes through the journey of actually making that happen. I wrote uh, the Power of Connecting: How uh, How to Activate Profitable Relationships by Serving Your Network. That book is about really delving into your own connections, your own network, and leveraging them to grow your business. You are one transformational connection away from a transformational change in your business. That's one of the things that I believe seen happen for myself and tons of people. So that's in there. It's a very well researched book, very well done. I co-wrote it with the owner of BNI Canada, uh, a really, really great book. And then my latest book that just came out is called uh, How to Create a a Million Dollar a Year Income. I co-wrote that with Perry Wong. He's a top insurance broker in Canada who's been making over seven figures a year for the better part of a decade. I'm his coach, so we put the book together on how how to go about doing that. And I wrote a political book called Um The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book, The Priceless Guide for Christians, Conservatives, uh, and Trump Warriors on how to cancel, cancel culture and take back America. I wrote that with Wayne Allen Root. And I wrote two editions of Finish Line Thinking. So that's the eight, and I've got two or three more books in the works right now.
0: Wow. That's a that's pretty uh, impressive uh, going back to your power of connecting so, so that one's talks a, a lot about uh, networking then you said
1: yeah networking going into your own into your own network yeah. leveraging that network to grow your network because listen here's here here's the deal um, let's say you uh, want to grow your business and you have say 500 contacts in your phone in your LinkedIn or your whatever and about 50 of them are people you really love they love you you get along you've done business with them you're good friends well, what's the best way to meet 50 more people like them through them mm. who knows more people like you than you paul if i want to get to know more um coaches in the space uh of working with men do i go talk to paul or do i go talk to a real estate agent i go talk to paul right it just makes perfect sense so you go to your best people you say look Hey, Paul, it's Nicky, man. Listen, bud, we're good friends. I love you like a brother. I've known you for a long time. Um, Listen, I want to know more people like you. And the way I figure it, the best way to know more people like you is people, is through you. So who do you know that's just like you? Great guy, you know, in the space, blah, blah, blah. You'll probably be able to just look through your phone and figure somebody out. But then the next thing I'll say is I don't want to just be a taker. I want to be a giver. Who do you need to meet? I've been thinking about a couple of people I think you might meet maybe a potential client, whatever. I'll be proactive and give you that name. And then after I give you that name, I'll even say, who else do you need to meet? So that way I go through my best 50 connections. I can have another 50 great connections. Mm-hmm. If you're smart about that, that's 20 potential clients for you right there. If you're a businessman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've said it before on the podcast too. I have a, I have a, a dating coach friend who's his whole spiel basically is, Teaching men how to meet women through social circles, and largely, what all he's teaching is networking. And uh, so, every time I have him on, we talk about this. But basically, every job I've gotten in my career has been mostly because of people I know, not necessarily what I know. Um, is it at least got me, uh, you know, an introduction, my foot in the door, and then then I guess showcase what I know. But uh, it was those those connections and people like saying, Hey, you should uh, meet my friend, you know, my friend, Paul, he knows X, Y, and Z that got me as far as I've, I've gotten in my career for sure. So it's, so like we talked about sales being such a powerful tool for men to know networking is also excellent skill to learn.
1: Agreed. hundred percent.
0: So yeah, check out, check out his book on power of connecting on that. Um, now, you and I connected, speaking of connecting, uh, because you saw my interview with Dr. Glover uh, after you read his uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy book. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways from No More Mr. Nice Guy? And, and, and what do you think men can learn most from that book?
1: Well, the, the fellow who is the proverbial nice guy actually isn't a very nice guy. That's the <laughs> first thing I got from that. He's actually a passive-aggressive asshole you know what i mean he's using being nice as a strategy in order to get something and that's what makes him not so nice it's gross it's not real and so the first thing i got is stop being nice to get women to like you go to bed with you whatever right yeah be nice because you know you're nice not because you want something right yeah and, um you need to dig deep, because you might listen to this and go, "No, no, but I am nice because I'm nice." But you're probably not. You probably decided that was the right strategy and mask and persona for you to 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 fit yourself into. So
0: I think I think uh, male feminists fall into this category. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're putting on a facade. Hilarious. Yeah, it's it's that's sad.
1: hilarious. <laughs> it's like i mean the prime minister of my country justin trudeau calls himself a feminist and i would argue he's anything but a feminist mm-hmm. uh, he he uh he decided that he was going to have half his cabinet be composed of women uh so he uh, he promoted some women who weren't qualified quite candidly because there weren't as many women elected as there were men the pool of you know candidates to choose from was bigger with the men but he promoted women who weren't qualified, but he did promote one woman who was very qualified, Jody Wilson Ray Bowl. And um, she caught him breaking the law, and she called him out on it. He wasn't mm-hmm. such a feminist when that happened. He kicked her out of cabinet. <laughs> you know That's crazy. I mean? you're right. So this nice guy, hyper-feminist dude, that, that, was, that was one thing I got from it. The second thing I got from it is, you know, if you're being nice, and it's an in order to – then you're actually saying no to being who you really are. Mm-hmm. And you're not an attractive person when you're being fake, because people just, they can smell it a mile away. They don't know why they don't like you, but they don't like you because you are fake. And there'll be people oh, but he's such a nice guy, but he really isn't because he's not being real. He's not being honest. So be yourself, be yourself. Don't be nice. Like, listen, if, um, we all do this, I've done this recently, but if somebody, uh, somebody makes an offer to sell you something, so I'm a knife collector, right? Uh, And I spend a lot of money on knives. because I just freaking love the things. So there's a knife collector that was on my podcast. He passed away and his son uh, has a bunch of his knives and is, you know, selling the collection off. And he was a custom knife maker. And there's a particular knife of his with a Patriot flag on the handle that I wanted to buy. And uh, when the knife came out, that knife was 500 bucks. Well, he offered to sell it to me for 800 bucks. And I said, Well, 800 bucks, is, it's a lot. He says, Well, listen, man, right now, you know, this isn't available through dealers anymore because my dad's dead. And um, I don't think I can get it to you much cheaper because I got to buy it from somebody. I got to pay him a certain amount of money. And he, he said, Okay, I'll give it to you for 750. And I didn't really like the price, but I liked the knife. And I said, okay, I'll buy it. And the truth of the matter is, I was i was just trying to look cool a little bit. I, I could have said no to him and said, fuck off. I don't want the knife, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Now, is it a good investment? Well, the maker of the knife is dead. He's not going to be making any more of them. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful knife within the world of collections, probably going to go up in value. But all that's justification after the fact of me going against what I knew in the moment, which was that nah, I don't buy it. Mm. So I bought it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's, you know, is it the worst thing I've ever done? No, no, it's not. But also it was an example of me being a nice guy in this situation.
0: Sure. Sure. One thing I, I tell guys too, cause uh, they'll read that book uh, or they'll hear the title of it, you know, and uh they'll say oh i can't be nice to women i guess that means i must be an asshole to them it's like no you you can be a and i always, so i always say you can be a good guy but you can never be a nice guy because it's specific i'm specifically talking about nice guy syndrome which is what dr Glover's talking about in that book which a lot of guys suffer from
1: 100% you know um jordan peterson has a wonderful quote he said a nice man is not a good man a good man is a dangerous man who has it under voluntary control. I yeah. freaking love that quote, bro. I love that
0: quote. Yeah, he's a monster, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's good. He's yeah. from Toronto,
1: man. He's from my hometown. He's one of my homeboys.
0: There's a lot, there's a lot of uh Jordan P baby. I got I gotta say, there, there's uh there's some good guys in the men's space that, that come out of Canada. Um, you know, uh Ryan Stone, Rich Cooper, great guys, they're Canadians. Yeah, you Rich know?
1: is Rich is from Toronto too, man. Yeah. I had him on my podcast once. Uh wanted to have him back on after his new book came out. And I said, Hey, Rich, want to come back on? I sent him an email and he said, Yeah, hey, yeah, let's do it. And then he disappeared, but we'll get him on one of these days again.
0: Yeah, he's been busy lately. So have you read his new book? Uh Unplugged Alpha? Yeah, Unplugged
1: Alpha. Yeah. That's when I called him. I said, Hey, I read your new book. Come on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that book. That's uh that's one that I've added to my my multiple read rotation. It's, it's very clear and concise. Um, you know, I, I have you read Rational Mail? I rolled the Tomasi at all. I purchased it. I haven't
1: read the whole thing yet. It's yeah. a bit of a dense book, man. I, I've listened to deep. all I speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dense book. It's not written as a readable book.
0: No, <laughs> it's deep. Uh, so yeah, one of the things, uh, I talked to Rich about was how his book, i I feel like a lot of guys read the stuff they get into, you know, no more Mr. Nice guy. They, they, they read rational mail, stuff like that. And then a lot of guys get really butthurt and hate women, you know? And so I, that's what I love about Rich's books because it's short, concise. It, it explains the stuff, but also tells men what they can do about it. It gives them actionable advice, which I think a lot of men need, you know, they need a little direction.
1: My books are all short and sweet. You know, my first book was like, when I wrote the first edition of Finish Line Thing, it was just 30 pages. The second edition's 42 pages. Mm. My other books are all between 100 and 150 pages. My philosophy of book reading, and I read big, thick books. So I've read Robert Greene's book, like the 33 Strategies of War and shit like that. And I like yeah. long books. I read Clouds of Glory, which is a biography of General Robert E. Lee. And I thing's a monstrous book, mm-hmm. you know. And I read witness by Whitaker Chambers. Now, if you've never read witness, you want a a study in courage, you need to read that book. That is an incredible book. Um, That book and the the accusations that uh, Whitaker Chambers leveled against um, Alger Hiss made Richard Nixon and uh, propelled him to the White House, quite frankly, because he's the one who went after Alger Hiss and um, amazing stuff. But books need to be short. And sweet and to the point because that's when men will read them.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, because a lot of guys, a lot of guys are inherently lazy, I think. But uh I but I'm the same way. Um and I I, I listen to everything on audiobook just because for me it's effortless learning. I can go up on a run, listen to it, and listen to it in my car. And uh every once in a while I'll get a book like yeah, I listen to Robert Greene's uh, 48 Laws of Power. It's like 15 hours long or something. I'm just, I, and I look at the the timeline of it. and I go, good Lord. <laughs> All right. Time to dig deep in this one. Cause it's going to take me a while to get through, but yeah, shorter books. I, I'm a little more uh, open to for sure. Um, 100%. <laughs>
1: um
0: so I, I, mentioned earlier, I listened to your interview with Ryan Mickler on the order of man podcast. Uh, one of the things you, 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 we're talking about is you, you have a, a, a real problem with the term toxic masculinity. And I do too, but what's your particular yeah. problem with it?
1: Well, it's the most sexist evil term there is. It's about painting an entire gender as toxic. Imagine if you said that about women.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh or yeah. About folks, in the, uh, folks who consider themselves trans. You, you, you kidding me? It would not be allowed. It shouldn't be allowed around yeah. men. Someone ever uses that phrase. Around me, I'm going to give him an earful.
0: Yeah. I, I like to say that there's no such thing as toxic masculinity or toxic femininity. There's just toxic people. Agreed. Agreed. But, but yeah, like, oh man, it's such an overused term. I get accused of it uh, whenever I make like, you know, my social media posts and stuff like that. You'll I'll always get some kind of feminist in the comment or whatever calling me a, you know, um, a misogynist or. Uh, oh, this toxic masculinity, why are, you, why are you perpetuating this? I'm like, there's nothing toxic about masculinity.
1: Nothing. Like- masculinity built the world, brother. Masculinity mm-hmm. built freedom. Masculinity built the society. Masculinity defeated Nazism. Masculinity won the Cold War. Masculinity built the Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? That is wonderful stuff. Hey, femininity is equally wonderful in different ways. Mm-hmm. But to pretend that masculinity isn't needed is crazy. I mean, to me, one of the reasons why I think the enemy is coming after us is by attacking men and masculinity, because they know if they turn us against each other, they can divide and rule us. and That's a strategy as old as time itself. Julius Caesar used it to conquer Gaul and Germania. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah you uh, you also mentioned uh, I think you mentioned it in in our conversation on your podcast but I, uh, you also mentioned it on on Ryan's podcast too um, about how Russia planned this uh yeah. and you said there was there's an actual book on it you, you want to tell that story real quick
1: Sure the book's called Willing Accomplices it's by Kent Clisby a former CIA case officer and the the story that he tells inside that book is extremely powerful which is that in 1917 when vladimir lenin effected the first communist revolution in world history and, and russia went communist he wanted to make the whole world communist that was his plan you know worldwide revolution but standing in his way was who he called the main adversary of the united states and he knew he could not frontally assault the united states and defeat it so He he realized the best way to defeat the United States was to subvert it from within. He was gonna use the United States very openness against it. Now, the very first, uh, you know, progressive, almost Marxist president that America had was Woodrow Wilson, quite possibly the worst president in American history. He was an out and out bigot. He was an open bigot and an open progressive. And he wanted to do away with the constitution. He couldn't, thankfully. Um, And he was in charge when William Unserberg and company came to the United States. So there's people who speculate if he allowed this, because, you know, uh, America knew um, some of what was going on, but wasn't able to, wasn't on the ball enough to do anything about it. But over a period of decades, um, the KGB, and later on the Chinese Communist Ministry of State Security sent people here to basically turn us against one another. if you look at textbooks from, say the state of North Carolina from 1910, they're unabashedly patriotic in 2010. They're basically they're hating the country mm-hmm. and talking about everything that's bad about the United States. That's bullshit. That's yeah. why we have to have good men stand up. That's why Ryan Mickler's a necessary Paul Bowers a necessary Nikki Balu's are necessary brother.
0: Yeah, I agree. One thing uh, I, I found uh, refreshing, I, I, I lived in California for about 15 years and my daughter started school there, and in the private or private school, uh, public school system there, they they didn't do pledge of allegiance, um, which I grew up on. We did pledge of allegiance like all the way through, I think uh, junior high school and stuff like that. We didn't really do it in high school, but high school is kind of a different game because you don't really have a homeroom or anything like that. But, um, it, but we did it growing up. Like I knew it. And uh, I came from a real patriotic family. And so they didn't do that in, in California. Uh, and then when we moved back to Colorado, uh, I live in a small town here. And it's a it's a very rural, um, traditional, conservative type cowboy town where I live. And the the, the public schools here still teach it. And, w- and when I first moved here, I got my kids to the school and found that out. I was like, that's awesome. That's so great. And a lot of people, they, they complain about being proud of your country as oh that's white nationalism it's it's such a it's such bullshit you know it's like there's there's nothing wrong with being proud of your country I, I don't think i don't care what country you're from
1: are you kidding me the united states of america in 2008 elected a black man president in a white majority country mm-hmm. so over 40% of american whites voted for a black man to be their chief executive trust me when I tell you this will not happen anywhere else Mm -hmm. trust me when I tell you this people are very tribal in the rest of the world they will not vote for someone who is not of their tribe to be in charge of their nation's destiny just won't happen Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and everybody my answer to everybody who says America is racist is they elected a black man president. What are you talking about? Not just elected him, re-elected him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh it's um it's a nation where anything's possible, it's a nation where everything good happens. You can be anybody from any background, you can be the poorest of poor people, you can still make it. Yeah. Even people who hate America, like LeBron James and Colin Capernick. Are, are making millions because they have a talent that's valued in the American marketplace.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing, uh, one thing I get, I get frustrated with people where they're, they're like, Oh no, no, you had, you had more opportunities because of where you grew up or because of the color of your skin and stuff like that. I'm like, look, you can think that, but literally everyone has the same exact opportunities. My, my mom grew up in a, uh, in basically a shack in the middle of nowhere, Northern Colorado, They had an outhouse because they didn't have running water. They had a, like a, like a water pump. Like I'm talking dirt poor, poverty shit. You know, like they basically were living like, like the old prairie days, you know. And my mom, uh, bless her heart, didn't want to live that way. So she found a way to go to college, get an education, and she became uh, a a nurse. She became a registered nurse. And Made more money than her parents did, and so then I grew up in a basically a you know lower middle class family with my mom basically being the major breadwinner because my dad uh, just bless his heart too he he didn't really have that much ambition um, but they got by and they had no way to pay for me to go to college so I was like well what how how can I pay for college so I joined the military I figured it out <laughs> you know and now I'm doing better than even my parents are doing you know are doing. My brother is doing better than my parents ever did. It's not like it's impossible. You know, you just need to take advantage of the opportunities that are available. And uh, guess what? military. Like, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but the military is basically available no matter where you live in the United States. If you live in the ghetto, there's a lot of guys I knew in the military that joined it to get out of the ghetto. Yeah. You know, it's there's there if you look for it there's opportunities is all i'm saying there
1: massive <laughs> massive opportunities it's the greatest nation on the face of this year earth brother you good old us and canada like listen i'm canadian canada's a great country too i'll put us right up there with the us but honestly Anybody who's born in Canada, the United States, a Western democracy, basically won the lottery, man. And for those of us like me who are immigrants who came here, mm-hmm. man, we just we are like a kid in a candy store who's told who's being told you can have any candy you want, you don't have to pay for it. Woo! Let's
0: go. <laughs> See, as I I I love talking to uh, to immigrants like that that are like grateful for uh for the opportunities because they they really do appreciate the opportunities and a lot of people that are were born here are snivelling little brats and they don't <laughs> they just they just don't understand how good they they've got it you know um switch of gears again here you mentioned how uh after your divorce uh you uh you basically found a coach right that that ran a men's group after your divorce can you tell us about that experience a little bit
1: listen, I was not in good shape, man. I felt lower than whale shit, you know, like I felt like a loser. I felt like uh, I'd let down myself, my family, my kids, most of all. I, I, I didn't know a way out. So someone said, you should go be a part of this men's group. They help people that are going through health. So I said, all right, I'll join. And it was a relief and it was confronting at the same time. It was a relief because there was someone who said it's going to be okay you're gonna figure this out. that was confronting because I had to confront all the bullshit about how I was showing up in my marriage that had, you know, contributed to its demise. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the good news was that being a part of the men's organization uh, became a part of my life. Ever since then, I've been a part of the men's organization. I I, I run one now, Sovereign Man. Right? We do meetings pretty much for uh, once a week. You know. Uh, Fifty-two weeks a year—it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, that's really great. Too. That was one of the things that I took away from Dr. Robert Glover's book too—is how important it is for men to spend time with other men. Because uh, before that, I, I don't know how it was. In—I in, uh, mean, you sound like a, a guy who's really, you know, big into business and connections and stuff like that. You probably had a, a you know, a lot more connections outside of your marriage. But I—I I wasn't. I was that guy who I I had friends, but they were forced friends. You know, there were people I knew from work and I only hung out with them at work. And then otherwise I was home. And then I relied on my my wife to be my best friend uh, and stuff like that. But I didn't have friends out, outside of that. And it's just not healthy for men to do that. That's not, and, It's and, not. Yeah. And it's not good for the relationship either to put that burden on her to be your best friend. Um, it's just- she needs a break you know like she needs a break too and uh you need a break and it and in and, and hanging out with other men is you know actually you know it's, there's studies that show that it boosts testosterone like we need that tribal experience you know being around other dudes so mm-hmm
1: hundred percent, man. hundred percent. You gotta have men in your life. They're gonna push you, they're gonna challenge you. And that does bring testosterone up when you do that. And your wife is not your sounding board for everything. Your wife is your wife. Your job is to provide, protect, you know, as Ryan Mickler says, preside, be a leader in your family, you know, go bring home the bacon, protect your family, do good things to move the family forward. But if you're having problems, you shouldn't be going to your wife and going, oh, honey, I don't know. What do you think I should do? That's what you're meant for. Not mm-hmm. to say that you can't talk to your wife or you shouldn't talk to your wife, but if you unburden yourself on her, that's not good. If you're going to go see a woman with a problem, you better come forward with some sort of solution. She doesn't want to just hear your problems. You know, that's what she wants to do with her girlfriends. If she starts thinking about you like you're one of her girlfriends, your relationship's dead. Dead, better mm-hmm. than a
0: doornail. Yeah. I, I, I I make videos about this all the time too. Uh, like don't bring your problems, to your girl, same for your boys, or your therapist. And, uh, because women like a lot of guys are like, well, how am I supposed to have an actual relationship with her? If, if, if we can't solve problems together, it's like, "Mm." like you said, you need to, she's relying on you to be her rock she wants you to be the one that's coming up with the solutions, and if you're not doing that, she's going to lose attraction for you, and she's eventually going to get tired of it, and she's going to look for a guy that's a little more centered, that does have his shit together a little bit more. And uh, you just, you don't you don't need that in your life. It, it is so much easier to just talk it over with your boys. And your boys, if you're if you're being a, you know, a complainer or a whiner, eventually your your boys are going to be like, dude do something about her. Shut up about it. You know, exactly. Your girl's not going to do that.
1: (laughs) No, she's going to say, tell me more. Like sometimes when I go to my woman, I go, "Ah, I had a hard day. She goes, yeah, you want to tell me about it? And I look at her and I go, I just did. (laughs) (laughs) What
0: the guy do, what the guy do with my girl, she listens to the podcast too. Uh, so Hey babe. Um, one thing I do with her is, uh, it, yeah, I'll, like I'll have a crappy day. Um, I'll either bring a solution with it, or if I don't have a solution in mind, I'll say, I'll, I go, but you know what? It's no big deal. I got it. I'll figure this out. And then I didn't leave it at that. And um, and she knows, she knows, you know, what the game's like. So she she just she doesn't pry or anything like that. She's like, good. I know you got it. And then goes back to being doing her stuff. We have a great relationship. <laughs> Works out awesome. That's smart.
1: It does, you know, because if you complain to her too much, she's going to lose faith in you. She's going to lose faith in you as a capable man. And you want to come across as a capable man who's got a shit together and to can make things happen.
0: Yeah. That's the bottom line.
1: It is the bottom line of every relationship. A woman wants a man, a rock, somebody who isn't easily ruffled, somebody who's capable, who can keep it together and get shit done and has ambition you know a woman will put up with a man who doesn't have a lot of money if he does have a lot of ambition cuz she invests in the man's potential right but that that's something a lot of men don't get right and a man though like listen we're we're we're, we're like okay is she hot all right yeah. does she like <laughs> does she like to have sex with me does she cook me meals does she tell me what a great guy i am i call it 3f like feed Feed them, fuck them and flatter them. That's what a man wants. It's,
0: it's as simple as <laughs> that. We are such simple creatures. I think it's so, funny so that,
1: complicated, right? <laughs> it's
0: so, all these women, uh, they, they're like, if written books about us, like most, most relationship books are written for women. Uh, if, if you, if you read them, like, you know, the, the five love languages or whatever. And, the you know, men are for Mars, women are for, it's all written for women. Um, but we're just not that complicated. It, they just are too much in their heads, you know, like that. But women, on the other hand, are complicated. Uh, but it's not that hard to figure out what makes them tick and to work within the rules of the game, you know? It's, it's not that hard. But a lot, of guys, a lot of guys overthink it, you know? But it's really just like I agree. they respond to strength. They uh, want you to be their rock and so if you're ever in doubt just be like what what is the strongest position i can take on here and then and then you go with that and you're usually usually pretty good so very true
1: man very true i agree with all that
0: <laughs> uh i think i have one last question for you here um when i was on your podcast you talked about having Uh, And I'm paraphrasing here, but basically thousands of men like us spreading the word and reaching thousands of more men and and so on and so on. So eventually, you know, we have, you know, a quarter of the world's population that is bringing masculinity back. What's the best way you think that we can do that and spread this message?
1: We need leaders, man. You know, so Ryan Nickler has a thousand people in order of men that may sound like a lot of men and it's a wonderful business for him, but it's really not. It's like a sliver of a village. 10,000 men in order of men would be a tiny village. Mm-hmm. If we had 10,000 leaders like Ryan Mickler, each of them leading 10,000 men, that's 10,000 times 10,000. That's just 100 million men. You think about that, 100 million men. There are over 4 billion men on the planet, right? So with 100 million men, we can change the world. But we need more leaders. We need more people doing the type of work Mickler's doing. So I want to see him get to 10,000. I want to see you get to 10,000. I want to see me get to 10,000. I want to see a whole bunch of men get to 10,000 because that's how we're going to change the world. We need our our little villages that are populated with masculine men that really are done with the world being the shithole that it is in so many ways and are ready to make the world a beautiful paradise once again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, a great statement to, to wrap up with. Nikki, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Um, the podcast, again, the thought leader revolution and also the sovereign man. Uh, why don't you tell people where you can, where they can find you online?
1: Well, those are two good places. I, um, I'm I'm gonna make an offer to anyone listening to this who's a man who wants to talk about any man issue whatsoever. If you go to my main website, it's called ecircleacademy.com. That's my main business website. There's a button in the top right hand corner that says book a success call. It's usually for a business call, but just go there. There's a little form attached with it. Tell me you you heard me on Paul's show and you want to have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about the things that matter to you as a man. And I just make myself available to any man who wants to do that. And I'll tell you this. I know most men aren't going to take advantage of that because that's just the way men are. They're going to think, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Then they're not going to do it. But I want to i want to get you to take advantage of it. If even one man calls me, I'll be happy. You know, when I was on Ryan Mickler's podcast, 43 men uh, took advantage of that. And that was amazing to have conversations with 43 men.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he's got he's got a big following too. So huge. huge um, but that just, I mean, that just goes to show, uh, men are a little too prideful to like reach out and, and ask for help. Um, I have a, I have a, a Patreon myself and, and I have a, I'm trying to build a, a men's community. And, uh, I know guys are interested in stuff like that, but they just are afraid to take that leap. So I think that's great that you're oh. offering that free phone call.
1: Don't let your fear choke out your 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 dream and ambition in business or in life. If you like what you hear, you want to get on a call, you should do it. And I say this to any man who listens to you on my show or Ryan on my show, whoever, talk to these dudes, talk to them because they may have uh, something for you that I don't, you know, in their community may make sense for you, and that's that's the truth. You, you got to do it. You, you got to take advantage of it. And, and if you're a businessman and You're listening to this and you want to talk business, we'll talk some business. And, uh, you know, if you have a podcast and you're listening to this and you want to have me come on your show, great. Or have Paul come on your show, great. But take action. Anyone listening to this, the one thing I want to leave you with is be an action taker. Do something. Don't just listen to this and go, that was great. And then forget all about it. Take some action out of something you heard here on the show today.
0: And that's a wrap. (laughs) That's a great message, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining me. I will give you the rest of your day back, sir.
1: Yeah, it was awesome being here, man. God bless you.
0: Nikki. thanks again for joining me, man. I apologize that this episode came out so far after the interview that I had with, uh, that you did with me on your show. Uh, But, you know, that's just the way it works sometimes in this business. But uh, you're a great guy, fun guy to talk to. Uh I like that we're both Leos and we we're both born on August 12th. Uh so I, I'm serious, man. Uh, reach out to your buddy Ryan Mickler. Let's do this. Let's 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 get this uh trio happening. Let's let's break the internet. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, hey, again, I want to mention the Patreon. Help support the show. Visit patreon.com slash come on man pod. The link is in the description. There's five tiers available the lowest tier, the bare minimum guys, five bucks a month, five bucks a month. You you skip going to Starbucks one day and support the show with your, with the five bucks uh, per month, man. You know, it, it it helps more than, you know, and it helps spread the message to more men. All right. That's all I have this week, guys. I hope you, hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it and We'll see you next week. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite
1: podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.